Pray with me. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be worthy in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. We are thankful and we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, I want to welcome those of you who are watching online, those watching at our 11 o'clock service, our students. We are just thankful and excited that you're worshiping with us and in our midst. Well, when I was 11, I got to go on my first backpacking trip with my Boy Scout troop, and I was stoked about this because my brother, who's five years older than me, he'd been going on trips like this for years, and I'd always been told like I had to stay home, and it looked like so much fun because he'd bring back these pictures, and there was all the cool gear, and I just really wanted to go. So 11 was my year. So my dad and I pack everything up, and we went to this place called Romero Pools, which is right outside Tucson, Arizona, where I grew up. And it was a 12-mile hike round trip, six miles in, six miles out. And even though I'd hiked further before, this would be the first time I was ever doing it with a full pack on my back. So we get there, get to the trailhead, super excited, start going down the trail, and I'm loving it. Um, and because I was like the, none of my friends had come and I was the, the youngest boy on the trip, I just hung back with my dad. Um, and so we were hiking, and about a few miles in, the novelty and the excitement of the whole thing had just worn off. I was just like, why the heck did I want to do this? <laughs> so as I'm walking down the trail, um, I start, my back starts getting sore from carrying the pack. And it was right about then that I look up and I see we have about a mile of switchbacks just going up the side of this mountain. And I'm like, no, I hate this. I don't want to do this anymore. So I start to slow down and want to take more frequent breaks. And that meant the rest of the troop moved further and further ahead of us. And my dad and I were very much in the rear. And my dad started to get super frustrated with me because not only did I want to take breaks and did I want to take more frequent breaks, but those breaks started to include me wanting to take my pack off. So it just prolonged the whole experience of like stopping, getting it off, resting, getting it back on. And this just kind of kept going. And my dad finally just looks at me and starts getting on my case. He's like, come on, we're never going to get there if we keep doing this and starts pushing me. And I decided I was done. I got super mad, threw my pack down in front of him, and I announced I was going home, that I was done with this, and <laughs> that he needed to walk back with me to drive me home, because I was done. And I, my rant went on a little while longer, and my dad just waited until I was done, and then flatly looks at me and says, we're closer to the campsite than we are to the car. <laughs> Which made me more angry, <laughs> because I'd made a huge scene, and it wasn't going to work. Um, and so he then just kind of starts talking with me and just says, Colin, we have two choices. We can stay here or we can go somewhere. The campsite is just on the trail. We can do this. So I decide, fine, I'll put my pack back on and we make an agreement that we aren't going to stop for an hour. That we're just going to walk and in an hour we can stop, we can take a break. And that between now and then, my job was to just carry my pack and take one step after another and keep going. And that was a huge moment for me. Because when we finally arrived at the pools, and I think there's a picture of it that's going to come up, like, I was super stoked to get to this place. One, because I'd made it. Like, I'd carried, like, a 35, 40-pound pack on my back six miles to get there, right? I was stoked about it. But it also was a big moment that I could do hard things, that I could make it. And that moment has lasted for more than just then. I've thought about it a lot since then, that as I've faced tough times and tough moments, that in those moments, my job is to just put one foot in front of the other, carrying the load that's on my back. And I thought about that moment as I was reading our scripture for today. 
because I was reminded of that because as we've been walking through this series, the thing that I've been thinking about is that I'm just, I admire Daniel. I'm really impressed with the character that he has, that he's cultivated over all these years in his life. And it just felt like that that was one of the key things that was in Daniel's life that sustained him. And so that's what I want to talk about today, about the character that Daniel cultivated over the whole of his life and how we can do the same in ours. So in order to do that, I want to recap the story thus far to kind of catch us up to today. So it all starts with a dream, right? Daniel um, is um, in the service of the king Nebuchadnezzar, and he's been having awful dreams. And Daniel, to whom God had given the power to interpret dreams, does just that for the king. And now able to sleep more soundly, Nebuchadnezzar promotes Daniel to being one of the chief governors of the entire kingdom. And that might have been the end of it, but along with Daniel's promotion came this unfortunate side effect. All the other governors and vice regents started to get really jealous of Daniel and the power that he had and the influence and relationship with the king that he had developed. And so they started this plot to discredit them so that they could get ahead. And their plot comes to a head during the reign of King Darius. And he was the king of Persia who had conquered Babylon after Nebuchadnezzar and his successor Balthazar had um, passed on. So Daniel, who's been appointed to oversee all of the governors and all of the vice regents, and was only reporting to the king, right? So he is in this extremely powerful position, functionally the prime minister of Babylon, and the other governors and vice regents are extremely upset about this. And so they arranged for this law to be written that made it illegal for an entire month to pray to anyone but King Darius. And they, they tacked on a, that it would be a capital offense and that the punishment would be death if anyone disobeyed it, okay? So they manipulate Darius into making this law, knowing that as we see in our scripture that once the king makes a law, he can't undo it. So they manipulate him into this, and then they wait, because Daniel is who Daniel is. He's a faithful guy. He's developed this character of the whole of his life, and he looks at this law and says, I can't do that. Goes home and does what he does every day. Prays to Jerusalem three times a day as a faithful Jew, right? Well, the governors and vice regents are waiting for him. They seize upon him, have him arrested for breaking the law, and bring him before Darius and basically impose the law upon Darius to punish Daniel for breaking the law. And so Darius, who doesn't want to do this, ends up throwing Daniel in the lion's den, saying, I hope your God can help you. I hope he was worth it, essentially. And then, you know, seals the tomb and comes back the next day. And what does he find? Outstrolls Daniel without a scrape or a scratch, without a cat hair on him. And Daniel tells the astonished Darius that God had closed the mouth of the lions and that, they, that he was safe and that he was innocent before Darius and God, that he had done nothing wrong in the name of the king. And in response to this, Darius decides the only proper thing to do is to take everyone who would accuse Daniel and throw them in the lions and let them get torn to pieces, you know, lest the lions go hungry. Um, I don't know what to do with that part of the text, but we're going to move on. Um, but from then on, Daniel is, on, you know, he is held in high regard. He's almost untouchable. And even on that in the reign of um, Darius' successor, Cyrus the Persian. So you've got Daniel. But the crazy thing, too, is I just want to add this, that Daniel was deported to Babylon in 605 B.C. And Darius takes over the kingdom in 539 B.C. So for over 60 years, he's been a captive in Babylon. And at this point in the story, he's probably about 80 years old. Okay? So we're not talking about some spring chicken being thrown into the lion's den. It's like pulling someone out of the nursing home and put, subjecting them to a cage of lions, right? Like, this does not make sense. 
But this is the life that Daniel leads, and he finds himself in these kind of moments. And as I recount this story, I'm struck that the challenging, that Daniel continues to find himself in these challenging and tricky places. But at the same time, like, that's been his entire life, right? Like, he's the guy who time and again is faithful to God and figures out a way how to navigate being faithful in the midst of a pagan culture. And he is continually walking this tightrope, and he's holding on to his character in the midst of a culture that is trying to, help, like, get him to do anything but that. And I think in there is a lot for us to learn and examine within ourselves. So let's start. First, I think we need to acknowledge that Daniel doesn't suddenly one day, like it's not like it's 79, he's like, you want to know what I need to do? Have some character. So it's not a light switch, right? Like this is something that Daniel has been doing day in and day out for a long time. And that, that, that steady, you know, walking in faithfulness to God is what prepares him for all the challenges he faces. And he cultivates and develops his character over time. Daniel chose to live faithfully for years. But second, we need to acknowledge that Daniel, again, he was a Jewish exile in the service of a pagan king. And the entire book of Daniel is really pushing on, this, on the question of how can someone who is faithful live in the midst of a pagan culture? Sound appropriate for us? Right? So this book is asking this question and pushing it and offering an example of Daniel and what that looks like as an answer. And it, it really would have been easy for Daniel to, in one sense, say, I'm going to reject the language, the culture, the customs of this culture. I won't have any part of it. I'm done. And it also, on the other hand, would have been really easy for him to go, I'm going to let go of my faith and do this. Right? But he doesn't. He takes steps to engage the culture that he has been placed in the middle of. Just he won't do it at the expense of his faith. And that's why in the first chapter he doesn't eat from the king's table. That's why in this chapter he won't pray to Darius. It's not that he won't work with these foreigners, with the Persians and with the Medes. It's that he won't do it at the expense of his faith. But I also think what's interesting is Daniel, again, he doesn't run to those extremes, right, either. Like, he doesn't make this, when he goes and says, like, no, I'm not going to pray to Darius, he doesn't, like, get in front of Darius, like, right in his face and, like, start praying to God, right? He doesn't make this huge public display of it. And at the same side, he doesn't go into hiding. He does what he does every day which is he goes to his home into a window that's facing Jerusalem, which, by the way, is a fallen city in ruin, and in his trust and faithfulness that God's covenant will be honored, pray as an act of faith, praise in the direction of Jerusalem, trusting that God will come again in the midst of whatever he's facing. Right? That's just what Daniel does. It's not an extreme. He didn't, like, throw up shrouds and hide himself. He just does what he does. He found this third way where he didn't throw his faith in the face of King Darius, but at the same time, he didn't leave his faith behind in order to find security. And the thing, though, too, is he, he had to know there were consequences, right? He's the prime minister of this country. He has seen in how many other moments laws be enacted and enforced and probably been a part of that enforcement. So he, I doubt he was under any illusions that there, would be, that there wouldn't be consequences for this. Yet he still does this. And I think his actions remind us that a person of faith has to live both wisely and dangerously in, in the world. Third, Daniel is an extremely successful man, right? He's the prime minister, you know, of, of this, of the, all of Babylon. One of the richest countries in the world is conquering things left and right and expanding. And that Daniel has been the right-hand man to three different leaders speaks to his talent as a leader. But what's interesting is that the scripture is really quick to note that what separates Daniel from all these other governors and vice regents is his faith. 
And it's, it's interesting that because Daniel was faithful to God, God uses Daniel to demonstrate his power. There's a relationship there. But what I think is really fascinating is that Daniel doesn't use those moments to enrich himself. When God's faithful, he points to God. And that he's had success or whatever is a byproduct of his faithfulness, not the reason he's faithful. And he never advances himself at God's expense. And I also think what's interesting is Daniel is willing to sacrifice his power and prestige for the sake of his faith. Again, knowing the consequences. Because he steps into this knowing that he'll be put to death. He refuses to eat from the king's table earlier in, in chapter 1, knowing that that would be an offense and has to step into it. But he still does those things and is willing to sacrifice the power and prestige he has in order to do that and finds a way to navigate in the midst of it. And I think it's really important to note that Daniel never let that power of success be something that kept him from being faithful. So I guess the question is like, we know all this about Daniel, what does this mean for us today? And I, I guess my push to you is I think that the life of Daniel should compel all of us to examine our own lives and think about how we can cultivate um, faithful character like him, but not just think about it, to act on it and to do it like Daniel did. And so as our way of doing that, I want to spend the rest of our time today talking about what faithful character looks like. And I think the place that we have to start is we have to examine our values. And as I say that, it sounds hokey to me, and so if that sounded hokey to you, I forgive you. But I think the thing is that we need to talk about values, right? Because if you're like me, I there's a lot of things that I value, right? I value very good coffee in my life. I value God. I value um, good food. You know, like there's things that I value, okay? But if I'm being honest with myself, there are times where I have values that compete with one another. Like my value for being successful can push against my value of being kind to people at times, right? Or th and, and I think that we have to acknowledge that, well, I think all of us would say that we would like, you know, we want God to be our number one priority. A lot of times other values we have subvert those, subvert that. And my push to you is that in order to develop faithful character, me, you, all of us need to, to move towards a place where God is the thing that we hold above all else and allow that to inform everything else. I know it's easier said than done, but if we don't acknowledge it, we're building a foundation that a house can't stand on. And I think that, the, as I said before, faithful character is not just something that we think about. It's something that's lived out. This is like the Nike's like, just do it campaign. Like, don't think about it, just do it. There's a little bit where it's like, we can think and dream about, and I can give you tips and tricks for how to cultivate and develop faithful character, but that's like giving you garden seeds without you planting them and then contemplating wonderful flowers, okay? Faithful character means planting the seeds, tending the garden, and bearing fruit, okay? And so we have to in, step into it and do that. And I, I, I say it that bluntly because I think this kind of conversation a lot of times is easily heard and easily brushed off. Because it's really easy to go back to living the life the way we'd live it. It works for us. There's something that functions for us in the way we're currently doing things. But to have character like Daniel's means we have to step into something more. And I think what's more is we have to remember that that's something that takes time. Like Daniel, he cultivated this over years. And in the same way that my way of getting down the trail was carrying my pack one step at a time, that's how we build faithful character. And it's in big moments, it's in small moments, but it's continuing to walk in the direction that God is leading us. And I, I don't know about you, but there are a lot of moments I want quick fixes in this, in this area. 
where I'm up against some hard challenge and I realize I don't have what it takes to face it on my own. And yes, I acknowledge that even if I had faithful character, I would still need God, but I also have to realize that I've not done the work to be the faithful person I'm called to be in tough moments. And I think that's the place where we, we get to acknowledge that we can grow from there. Because the other thing is I would push to say is that our mistakes and our failures are some of the places that God does his best work and where we can build amazing character out of. I've talked about it before, but I am thankful for the ways in which I have grown on the other end of my divorce. I wish I had come by it through a different way, but that, that, that season of my life has been one of those fruitful seasons and that we can develop character out of things like that as a testimony to God's power in our life and faithfulness to us, to meet us on that journey. As, I, as we talk about all of this faithful character and what this looks like, the, there's a childhood story that I'm reminded of. Um, I was a very mischievous child. Um, I, my mom swears it was my life's ambition to like drive her crazy for a few years. And I would do things like sneak off and she would come into the bathroom and I'd use all of her makeup to make a mural on the bathroom mirror. Um, and one time I heard her coming and I literally like split my chin open trying to get out of the sink to act like I hadn't done it as if the mirror wasn't there. Anyway, but I would do stuff like this all the time and she would catch me and I would look at her this like very serene angelic face and she likes to recount that I would just stare up at her kindly and gently and say, I'd be a good boy now <laughs> in, the, in the aftermath of everything I've done. And she said there are these moments that she would just look at me and be like, when? When are you going to do, like, <laughs> just <laughs> when? I think God looks at us the same way. He's giving us nudges. He's speaking to us, you know, he's, he's trying to get through to us. He's surrounding us with people who love us. He's given us scripture, right? Like, there's all these things that God is giving to us to become the people that he created us to be. And I think there are sometimes where God's just saying, I know you have it in you to be more, to be who I created you to be. When? And that's the big thing that I think we have to walk away from, with on this is that when are we going to begin to develop the, the, the character that God knows we have it in us to have and to be the people that God's called us to be? And we may be partway down that journey. We may be at the beginning, but wherever we are, there's a step beyond where we are that God has for us. And there's no shame in that. That's just what it means to be faithful people, to pursue God in the, in, through the whole of our life. You know, one of the things that I thought about as I was putting this together is, you know, like a lot of times it's easy to think about people in great positions like Daniel as the pinnacle of like that's what faithful character looks like. And you can start to go like, I don't have a lion's den that I'm going to get thrown into. What, is, what, what does it look like for me to develop faithful character? And as I was thinking about that, I actually thought about a high school student who I've been spending time with. Um, she and I will get coffee at Starbucks and check in. And she's one of the smartest kids I know. And it is a blessing and it can be a bit of a curse for her because that intelligence also, and combined with her, like how charismatic she is, means she can spin a tale better than anyone I know. Right? Like she can tell you a story and you will buy it, hook, line, sinker, and be all the way down the thing. Okay? And so it's a pretty big character building moment for her to choose to be honest when it would be more convenient to lie. And she and I have developed this mantra, what's more I've just imposed it on her, where I say to her, duplicity is not a way of life. And when she tells me some story and she's like, well, I told my mom I was here when I was here instead, or, you know, she's trying to hide the fact that she has a second cell phone her parents don't know about. Yes, kids, we know you have two cell phones, okay? <laughs> just <laughs> naming that right now. Um, but that, in those moments, she talks about it. But what I love are the moments in which she catches herself and chooses to step into who God's created her to be by being honest. But, you know, and, and I love celebrating with her where she was like, Colin, I wanted to lie about this, but I did this instead. And I'm like, that's amazing. 
right? Those are the moments where she is starting to build the character and stepping into being the woman that God's called her to be. And so I think sometimes we can, uh, you know, disillusion ourselves to say, I'm not going to become the prime minister of, you know, Babylon, so this doesn't apply to me. It does apply to you. Because it was all the little things that Daniel did that led him to that moment. And there's a lot of little things in front of you today that, you, that I believe all of us can start doing to live into being who we were created to be. We just have to do it. Now, if you're sitting there and wondering, okay, I want to do it, what does that look like? A couple things you can do. One, you can pray. Right? God is speaking. God created you and to be in relationship with you, and so pray and ask God to tell you what that looks like. And also, I would encourage you to invite someone who knows you, a friend, someone who knows you well, who's known you in good times and in bad times, and invite them to help point out the places or things you can do to grow into being who God created you to be. And what's more is turn to Scripture. What I love about Scripture is that God does not pick the best, most qualified people. He equips the people he called. And so it's not that they're perfect people. It's that he leads them to a place that he needs them to be despite their imperfections, much like you and me. And remember that faithful character is taking one step at a time. So the, my push to you is once you've done that work, when you come upon something, do it. Whatever small thing is in front of you, I don't care if you were seven or you were 97, you have in front of you an opportunity to be faithful to who God's called you to be. Remembering that faithful character is taking one step at a time in the direction that God is calling you. My hope and prayer for all of you is that you remember this. You were created for glory. You were the pinnacle of creation. God looks at you and says, you are the way in which I will make my gospel known and my kingdom established on earth. That means you matter a lot. And so you living into who you're created to be is God's greatest hope for you. And my hope for you is that you will do that too and for me as well. So Jesus, be with us today. Help us to be the people you've called us to be, to take the step that is ahead of us, trusting that you are the God who never leaves us, never forsakes us, is with us always, and equips us for the, for the journey ahead. Help us to bear the load on our back. Walk with us down the trail. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.